All right, so I'm, I'm going to, in this next section, I'm going to tell you a bunch of common sayings. These are things you probably heard before, like your grandmother, like from your grandmother on TV. And I'd like you to tell me what they mean. Uh, for the first one, let's, uh, what does the phrase, don't count your chickens before they've hatched mean? Don't count chickens? Okay, well, that's that's pretty good. All right, what about what about the phrase, um, I'll, I'll just write that down, don't worry about it. I'll just write that. And what about the phrase, um, welcome to jump cut? What does that mean to you? Oh, it means we're about to have a killer time reviewing movies about <laughs> or people by people who don't know what movies are. <laughs> wow, wow. Sounds very insightful. Can you tell me more? Maybe who are you? Sorry. Just, oh, uh, uh I am one of the hosts of Junk Jump Cut as it would happen. Uh Hashem and uh who are you? Uh oh yeah, hi. My name is Dr. Leander Rodriguez. I could say that because I'm not a doctor and never have been. And no one will arrest me, so I could say whatever I want. Uh, welcome to Jump Cut. This is the podcast we're talking about movies. That was the intro of the movie Good Time. Our episode today is about that movie. Yeah. Uh, Hashem, what did you think? And had you seen this movie before? I thought I had. No, I hadn't seen this no, movie you haven't? before. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty memorable. I... Uh I this feel... is a movie that I entirely chose off of a recommendation from a friend that I would enjoy the movie, not knowing anything about it. All he pitched it to me as was that Robert Pattinson um, does a killer job in this movie, and it kind of showed the world that he can do more than be a edgy vampire. 100%. And I think that's totally fair. Okay, let me ask you then. What did you think? Because if you were recommended this as well. So um, this might be one of my favorite movies that we've done. I, that not even that we've done just i think this might this this movie is really really good yeah <laughs> i really really enjoyed it i i think there are parts there are parts i take issue with um that i mean there's a lot i mean it's a it, the, the movie is not meant to be let's say enjoyable it's not like a fun romp among friends no but i think that it's, it's just so expertly done i can't not i you know praise so it. the way i rationalize it is this movie is if you could film stress and put it in media form this is what this movie was because i don't think mm -hmm. there's any positive emotion that come from watching this movie yeah it's just stress exerted through different areas of your life like you're stressed yeah. about money stressed about time stressed about situation family stress about, like, everything danger drugs the police like it's just it's awful it's very but it's very very good it's and uh very good and i will probably never watch this movie again i i think i will i think i i would watch it again i i really really enjoyed it i i gotta say i was very surprised by it to be honest i didn't expect it going so hard so quick and so well yeah but i i just very much loved it unfortunately though uh, this is, we're recording this a little bit late because uh, it's I, I was sick last week and I just want to address that because I don't feel like we've missed very many episodes. No, we haven't, not in a long time. And thank God it was Leander's fault this time. <laughs> Usually when we miss things, it's it's probably my fault. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Otherwise, otherwise I'd be cussing him out right now, roasting him. <laughs> but Hashem's such a nice guy. He's just letting me get away with the fact that i was you're sick, sick. what am i supposed week? to do about it all right uh so do you want to get into it let's do it spoiler territory let's do it or do you want to do you want to summarize the movie first i don't even think it would make a difference i think this is those movies because i if i lay the plot out as it is i really don't think not like nothing much happens you know what i mean 
it's but a lot happens exactly that's what i'm trying to say because it's like it's all in the span of an hour and like yeah yeah in in other in the terms of other regular like action movies or other thrillers or other dramas not a lot happens yet so much like how do i say this our boy what's his name connie goes through a lot of shit in one night or like two nights or whatever so uh-huh. I don't even think it matters if we lay out the plot at all. It's all about like what he's experiencing, what he's going through. Yeah, it is. It is pretty intense, and like the time is also like a weird one to talk about because I'm not sure of how long it went. Because it felt like it, it felt like it was all one night, and it was just like a series of chaotic events all happening in one night. Yeah, but like there's like news broadcasts, and they're like repeating things, and they they have like time skips and stuff, and I'm not really sure. But it's a very dreamlike movie. It's one of those movies where you're not sure. Like, there'll be entire sections where if you're not laser focused, it's very easy to fall off and be instantly confused as to who which characters are. Wait, and why they were there? I don't think yeah, that's true. I, I feel like the 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 plot and the characters are very cut and dry. And that's not to say that that's bad. But I I didn't find myself struggling to follow with what's going on. I I think it's pretty. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of mechanics stuff going on. I think, like, that whole car sequence when they introduce another character, Ray, into the movie, him describing his backstory is there's so much going on there. And then that pivots the entire focus of the rest of the film into right. this, but- like, other story that I, I feel like if you're not 100%, you're paying into it. Suddenly, there's all these new characters involved. Whereas the last like hour of your life, you're watching completely different set of characters. Yeah, I, I guess, but I'm saying like there's nothing surreal or outlandish that comes up. You are introduced to is it Ray or Jay? Oh, I guess yeah, not like surreal in the way that like like uh, the Green Knight or one of those more like petty. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is every it, like, character that's reality. introduced, every character that's introduced is established well and properly in connie's how do i say this in his like world view so to speak because ray shows up by accident and then the people that show up after that are the people that are associated to ray so in connie's mind they don't really matter besides the fact that they serve a specific purpose which to him is just Mm -hmm. getting the ten thousand dollars to bail his brother out you know what i mean what I'm trying, don't right. get me wrong. I, I do think that the plot does take a turn when Ray is is introduced. I just don't think it's confusing or difficult to follow at all. I see. I, I think I think that's fair. Yeah, and I, I guess it's not really like when I say dreamlike. I think the main thing is just that everything that's happening feels so remarkable and unbelievable that it's like oh. the the series of events that is, they're being dragged through. Uh, is so extreme in a way that I guess being a regular boring person on the world, I'm like I haven't lived life like this is insane. The 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 types of like things that he's doing in the night, where he's like like breaking into a hospital, and like all, all of that, or the like taking the cab, I... the explodes with the money. It's just like there's so much there that it's so dense. I, I don't know. It just made me feel a certain way that I guess I called dreamlike, but I'm not. I I, I, I think I get it. what you mean. My my contention. So this is this is my. Correct me if I'm wrong here. What I'm understanding is like you're saying, the things that happen to Kanye, the things that he does, are not things yeah. that a regular person does, right? 
or even experience like the, the 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 scenarios he finds himself in like i couldn't help but think of like what that okay so we can probably get into spoilers it'll help him yeah, yeah describe it's, specific it's moments a bit more uh yeah. spoilers there there's a section there where he's like waiting at the white castle for a little girl who he took from the family who was on the accessoride from a hospital uh her grandparents car he is taken and is at a white castle with like a, you, the, the, you know what i mean like the scenario feels so undescribable it feels I... like something that would be dreamt up it's like so many like these people are not related at all you got connie there you got this girl from the accessorized family like the daughter of that family or whatever and then you got this random stranger who happened to have a bender and then end up in the hospital arrested i you know i disagree with you i think this movie all the characters that are introduced even if they are random and the scenarios are random because like the movie is so focused and Connie has one specific goal in mind. He wants to free his brother from jail and like post bail at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what is happening. And because it's so laser focused on the end goal on Connie's end goal, this feels like the most grounded and most normal crime thriller. I think I've ever watched. I I just don't think the stakes are as high as that's wild. I don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's a normal thing for them to have the die bag explode and get into a car accident. But it's like he's not committing like bank robberies where there's like thousands of guards chasing them. It's one guy at the door in the hospital and he like distracts him and he just goes and breaks the guy out. And then he sees that this girl parked before him. So he's like, okay, at least I know some place where I know there's going to be people and they've seen my face. So they're more likely to let me in. So every every single like random encounter, so to speak, or every single random decision that Connie takes, to me, yeah. has a normal or a logical through line that carries the movie through. And I don't think it just keeps it more grounded is what I'm trying to say. I, I guess like you always have that to root onto, like as to why they're doing something. It's always for Connie. Like he has a very specific intent. I get what you're saying there. Yeah. But I think the scenarios themselves if you like take a moment from these scenarios and you think about like just the like what this guy is doing to accomplish his goal, that's so extreme. And I kept remarking at that and thinking these scenarios he's getting in are so extreme. He's like now got this bottle of Sprite filled with LSD that he's like reselling back to a drug dealer who is trying to like not pay him and is about to go get a gun and shoot him. You know what I mean? Like this and that scenario came from all of this other crazy stuff that happened before because it's the guy he broke out of prison. I get what you're saying, that they're all, like, mundane, small things. Like, the stakes are small and very personal. Uh, but, like, I think just the amount you get invested in the character, like, you 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 think, what is he going to do to get out of this one, right? Like, now that he's broken some stranger out of jail, and then he just keeps coming up with new ways that push the extreme. And I, I think that is what I'm talking about with, like, it feels almost like you're making it up. Like it can't be real. And all of it is ultimately for not because I mean, like, yeah, nothing happens. (laughs) Nothing, nothing happens. You know, like he doesn't accomplish his goal. He gets put in jail. And I, and it's one of those, like, it's a really good ending or not ending, like lead off to the ending. Cause uh, it, it, it's one of those, like um, no country for old men type moments where there's no big camera moment. 
no like final jump no doesn't die a bunch of pain it's just off you're kind of just watching him with a long camera and seeing him get like you know jumped on by cops and the next cut is kind of just him getting put in a police car and that's it but but the character actually okay this 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 i think is is the the difference between what we're seeing here because i i think you're right if you consider every situation on its own it's crazy that he's even there the fact that he broke into the security guard's house and was using the security guard's dog to defend himself from the other guy is crazy it's crazy But what I'm saying yeah. is because you see him make every decision throughout the movie and you recognize why he's there in the first place, that's what keeps it grounded. I was never yeah, lost okay. or confused as to why they're in the situation in the first place. But if you divorce the situation from context, then I absolutely agree with you. It's an insane and absurd situation to be in every single time. Okay, okay. I, I think I get that. I think that for me, what I'm mostly talking about when I was saying it's hard to follow would be if... Not even hard to follow, but it's just one of those movies where if you were on your phone for 10 minutes... Oh, you miss out. Um, the, you'd miss out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, suddenly they're in a house now. Suddenly he has a dog. Or, like, you you know, you're you're watching the movie at one moment. They're running away from the cops. Or, or he's, like, in an accessoride, you know, having gotten away from the hospital. You look away, and then you come back, and now he's, like, fighting with a dude who has, like, a glass shard... And is like waking up from a coat. It's like that, just insane shit. You know what I mean? Or like the next one, they're at White Castle or something. And the next one, they're he's like off the side of a building. Or so, it's just like so wild. I don't know. Yeah. I, and I think that's the movie being called Good Time. I think knows that it's just going to stress you out. Like I think it's it's a title that's purposefully like kind of lying to you about the conflicts in the movie. Yeah, no one in the plot has a good time. There is no character <laughs> who ends up better off from having experienced this story, except for the person who was arrested and then ultimately gets to go to like therapy or group lesson where his he's brother? actually taken care of. His brother, yes. Yeah. And it's like, that's ultimately rewarding. So I guess it is like a good time. But Jesus Christ, all the shit that happens around that, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, And I, I think I just love that journey so much, though. I think that they do such a good job with making you feel stressed and really making you recognize that this is an awful, awful human being. Yes, I agree. And I think, like, like that's what I'm trying to say is, like, it's just stress encapsulated in media form. There is, yeah. from minute one, like, you're stressed. It's a conversation yeah. between uh, what's his brother Nick and yeah. the therapist, and I'm always like, "Oh shit!" Like now, what? Like what's gonna happen? You have these like long takes where there's like a tear rolling down his eye, he's not responding, and he's like clearly getting agitated. And then they fucking yeah. break into a bank, and he can't take off his mask. And I'm sitting here feeling claustrophobic the same way that Nick Nick is, and I just like, it's very good. But then again, I'm yeah. never watching this movie again. <laughs> Dude, I think it's just so rewarding. Like, okay, I think, I don't know about you, but when I started the movie, obviously, like, I I mean, well, not obviously, but most of the time you're watching movies, you're supposed to resonate with the main character, yeah. at least share in their struggle and understand them and yeah. get to know them and see how they evolve. And I think you could start the movie with a certain lens on, like, Connie as, like, this lovable but hard knocked type person right like he wants the best for his brother no, he's just a piece of and shit he co- 
Okay, yeah, I get that. You get that by the end of the movie. I'm on board with that by the end of the movie. Yeah. When I'm saying it at the start, you're you're kind of uh, he pulls him out of therapy, and you see that I don't know, like maybe Benny wasn't getting much from it. Like they don't give you enough time to really judge that scene, and you know Connie just pulls him out immediately. And from there, you could see that Connie does genuinely love and care for Nick. Like he very much wants them to have a good life and be happy, right? But the ways that Connie thinks about getting that good life are, you know, through robbing a bank. And, and like, you know, there's movies that kind of do something like this where a good character has to do something bad for ultimately good reasons. And you want to believe that Connie is that character that you envision, you know? Yeah. That he will be lovable in the end, that it's meant to be like a Robin Hood type thing. He will find better use for this money. It's all insured. I'm trying not to think about it. They were armed, but they didn't hurt anybody. Or they said they were armed, but they didn't hurt anybody, right? All of that. But then they just keep putting roadblocks that stop him from getting his goal of getting his brother out of jail. They keep putting these roadblocks in front of him. And how he gets past those roadblocks is by being the worst person imaginable. By being, like, despicable and awful in all these, like, new ways that you eventually can't root for him and you want him to get caught and you want like you care about benny but you want benny to not have to be tied to connie anymore well he also and i think like, that's so good it's not just that he ruins like a bunch of people's lives on the way you know yes yes and i think absolutely that that's where the fall away happens because a lot of the times these lovable characters that you know you can relate to because they're like in a bad situation and stuff there is a mm-hmm. sense of reluctance that comes with the bad things that they cause other people to. How do I say this? The, the things that like the bad things that happen to the people around them, they feel bad about basically. Right. <clears throat> What's the the girl Crystal? She gets arrested for like covering for him, and like he doesn't care. He just doesn't give a shit. He's like, all right, somebody took the fall. No. Like I'm good. You know what I mean? It- there's like so much shit that happens he like ruins Corey's relationship with her mom you know ray ultimately dies dash the security guard like that his life is fucked up like i don't know irreparably seemingly how does that get explained you know because he wasn't ultimately caught there he was caught elsewhere it's just it's just like i i don't know like all these people's lives get fucked up by this guy and and the thing is is that there are moments where we get a peek into the character behind all the actions and the way that he thinks about the world. And it's and awful. those moments... <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's not awful. But those moments you could see him thinking he's that first version of the character we describe when the movie starts. You know what I mean? Like, you don't get it. I'm not like you. I'm not robbing this bank to sell drugs or hurt people. I'm doing it for a reason. To get my brother out of the situation oh, no, but in, it's Yeah, but there's a... Okay, but the reason why he says that and the reason why that scene... You're talking about the scene where he, like, talks to Ray in the apartment, right? There is that one, and I'm also thinking, like, you could see his character wanting meaning in life. You know when he gets out of the car and he tells Crystal to wait, and he's like, I don't know if you're feeling what I'm feeling or I'm just being weird right now, but I feel like this... You're someone who's giving me a meaning in life, and this is important, what we're doing here. So And, you know, she's high as fuck and is like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, sure. I think 1,000% he was gaslighting her in that situation. He meant not a single word of what he said. 
And the reason you don't I think, think so? that I absolutely think so. No, I absolutely don't because he does not be, he does not feel any type of ways when she gets arrested. He just keeps going forward. It's not like he takes a second to like, oh shit, she got arrested. He's just like, all right, let's go take the the security guard's car and go into his house and set up base there. He doesn't care. He said that well, okay, because like, he wanted to convince her to stay. That's it. Well, you could see in his face, at least from the performance, that he didn't want yeah, that to and happen. Obviously, if like, you're okay, gaslighting... Even, okay, but this is what I'm saying. He did very well <laughs> in gaslighting her. Because if it convinces you, the audience... No, no, no. Okay, listen, listen. Like, even the scene, right, when she's getting caught, the security guard or whoever, or the policeman who's arresting her, uh, is saying, like, is she the other one you saw? He was like, no, no, no. Like, he could have said yes. But he, she, he said no. So in my head, that's him saying, I did all I could. That's like, crazy. He keeps trying to be this good person like, in his head, but all the actions he's taking are harming all these people. I don't think so. You know, I really think he's I, just I a piece so. of shit. No, I feel like there's so much more nuance there. Dude, did you see his reaction when Ray was trying to get him to open up? Where he's like, we're not the same. You're not like, I'm not like you. You can't relate to me. You know, he thinks that he has this struggle that is so unique to oh, him. Oh, yeah. That but, is necessitating but, him doing all these actions. But that's not true. No, but but here's the thing. The reason why I think that scene, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it, it removes any nuance or any layers from the character. But yeah, why I think that scene sticks out is because Connie is giving himself. He's pay, essentially he has a chip on his shoulder. And he's on this high horse, assuming that he's any better than Ray, when ultimately they're both committing the same types of crimes and they're both in the same type of situation. You know what I yeah. mean? Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't even think he just has convinced himself or he's trying to convince himself that he's better than others. But I yes. ultimately don't think it makes a difference. And I really don't think that he cares about what happens to other people except for Nick. Okay, like whether he is or not, what I'm trying to say is that he thinks he is, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to say. But I don't think he thinks he I don't think he was gaslighting uh, Crystal. Like, I think he genuinely is someone who is searching for meaning in life. No. And I got a lot more thinking that character is like I don't way so. deeper and cares. So just like the way he cares about his brother and to the extent that he's willing to save him. It's it is a selflessness. You know what I'm saying? Like it stopped being about the money after they didn't get the like you know he didn't run off with the money i don't know what their original reason was for robbing that bank right but after his brother got caught that's his primary goal is saving him bailing him out getting him out right and everything he does from that point on is selfless in that sense but he thinks that because his goals are this and that he knows best rather than the system for what benny or not benny uh nick needs right for what nick needs like he it leads him to be this awful person and that's why i think like that conversation with crystal felt so genuine and that conversation with ray because crystal's a good person you know so he means that when he says that whatever crystal's a person who's not evil right yeah so when and and their relation or whatever over the night like he he feels some closeness to her because what they're doing is just so crazy and the story they're going on right yeah. But then when Ray tries to relate to him, he's like, no, I know you're an awful person. You were going to jail. You deal drugs. You're, you're just as, like all these like things in his head that he's not. He's like, I'm not you. And that's why I feel like the character is just like so much deeper than we get to see. But so, ultimately, it doesn't matter because what you're saying is the actions make up how the character is. And so the character is awful I, and selfish. 
so here's the I was I was thinking about this recently because I watched Fight Club, right? Okay. And one thing that I don't want to get into Fight Club, but uh, there's a thing that that I don't think Hollywood can do well, and it's the movie of the cult of personality. If you have a terrible person in a movie, but they are able to justify their actions to the audience through their thought process or their monologues, then ultimately you cannot get the audience to be on the side of or to make a necessary commentary on the bad actions that people are making, if that makes sense. Because people like them too much? Yes, exactly. Saying? People will okay. create justifications in their mind for the bad things and the actions that these characters take. And that's why right. I took that scene to be, you know, a little bit negative because ultimately Connie did nothing to improve Crystal's life, regardless of what he said. No. So yeah, he absolutely hurts everyone's life. Yes. He enters. It doesn't. Yes. At the end of the day, I, I and I think you're right. He might have potentially believed what he was saying. But because we are seeing the movie through him, he is the protagonist, so to speak. It's very difficult mm -hmm. for us to not create justifications because we've seen the story so far. But I think, you know, with what we know about Connie and with the actions that he's done, I really don't think it was a positive thing. And I don't think he meant anything that he said. If that makes no, sense. I, 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 I ultimately do think that he did mean it. I think like that's, that's the type of character he is. But what you're saying is absolutely true that if anyone were to use this as an argument for why Connie's not a good, a bad person, like, it is the movie going over your head. Yeah. It's like you being convinced by, like, I guess, I don't know how to put it. Like, the blueprint of a movie being that you follow a character who is ultimately good and gets what they want at the end of the movie. That being the expectation you set in your head has plagued your ability to recognize. And uh, maybe it's the screen time you spend with them as well. Yeah. But it's plagued your ability to recognize that Connie is an awful human being who hurts everyone's lives who he's entered. Yeah. You know? And, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, they make it pretty good, at least now, with, like, maybe, uh, like, being able to watch it and see him almost hook up with a 16-year-old. Yeah, that I think was that, fucking crazy. That very clearly makes you switch, like, flip a switch where you're like, there is no possible world where I can root for this character anymore. But he, specifically, I do want to call out, I, I don't know there, if this was the intention behind, like, what the Safety Brothers were trying to do. But he takes advantage specifically over a lot of black people in the movie. <laughs> like the the person who's driving the 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 like vehicle that leaves the hospital. That one. You got Crystal. You got the security guard. You got the bank teller. And it's like all of these people's lives get per like not permanently. Like the ambulance driver, not permanently. But everyone else, like the security guard's life is fucked up. Like he can't explain all the acid he's on and the fact that he's arrested and that and his like apartment's nice. He has like a nice life and a nice doll and yeah. all this shit and like ruined. And like Crystal, Crystal in jail now. Her parents don't even know where she is. Like there's literally like there's a Corey or as well. I mean she's not black and I think it's not like a direct thing. I'm not saying everybody's lives. It's not like an entire movie's this commentary, but I think that is like something to notice that he doesn't care about. He didn't recognize the danger in having. You know, these people get arrested and even like the whole them watching the police brutality stuff on cops. Like, I think he doesn't think that that applies to him. You know, he watched it and he was like, 
turn it off. There's a scene in the movie, just FYI, where they're watching cops and they see someone get like pretty brutally handled and then they like by the police pretty much like uh, assaulted in a way and it ends up getting stabbed right and he's like oh i don't want to watch this i don't want to see how they justify it right yeah so he can recognize that these justifications are bullshit right but then he just does it himself like he doesn't recognize himself in that cop you know what i mean and, like i just it's like, there's something there a, uh... that a smarter person could articulate no 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 i think <laughs> I it's know. totally fair but i so i think this scene that really tipped me off to anything i mean i didn't notice it throughout the movie i gotta be honest with you I genuinely mm-hmm. forgot that the bank teller was black. But uh, the security guard, I forget what his name is. Like, yeah, the fact that the police and the paramedics instantly jumped to the conclusion that he was the one that broke in and they didn't check for any credentials. They didn't do anything else. He was just wearing the security right. jacket was wild. I don't know if it's necessarily social commentary. But I think you can have a conversation about how a lot of the characters, like a lot of the black characters that Connie interact with, um, end up worse than they were before. You know what I mean? That, that, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I, I think it is like some level of social commentary. You don't put a scene like that in your movie where the cops just assume that you're innocent. So what do you think? Though, like, 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 what look- do you think it is? I just think, I, I think that's exactly like what you said is exactly it. Like, it's just... To show how fucked up that system is, but that Connie will freely benefit from it without remorse, without recognizing the fact that he's part of it. Like, he sees himself as not being the cops who are directly getting a woman stabbed. I mean, even the woman and cops wasn't, like, in that little clip or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? But whatever, he yeah. doesn't see himself as a person inflicting the violence, even though all his actions do eventually get that same outcome. For the, I, I'm saying, like, he doesn't recognize that. And I don't know if it's specifically a commentary on race. I think it's just an important thing to call it. Like that scene, all the scene that happened in the in the amusement park, that was tough to watch. So that was like to extremely watch. tough to watch. So tough but to like, watch. Oh, I just couldn't not feel bad about Dash, like this guy, the security guard, who just wanted them to like, he was just doing his job, you know? Like he just oh, wanted them out. Uh, he wasn't going to hurt you, them. Uh, so I messaged in the chat where I was like, why did you pick this movie? And you were like, I'm oh, sure yeah. I know what scene you were talking about. What was it? So my guess is that, so uh, just for context, we watch these movies not together. So when I hash and watch it, he sent a message to me that said like, oh, why'd you pick this movie? And we try not to talk more about it before the podcast. Yeah. But I think that you messaged me that specifically at the scene where Connie kisses Crystal to oh, distract her bro. from watching the... <laughs> Yeah, uh, for, to distract her from watching the newscast where he's, you know, there's yeah. a warrant out for his arrest. Yeah, is that I the moment? Like that. <laughs> didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. No, it was not good. I I also remember being like absolutely floored that that just happened. I was like, what the fuck? What was that? It was pretty Fucking crazy. Crazy, bro. It and was, this is the yeah, thing. Like, it's, it's just like there are so many seeds of him just being a piece of shit throughout the entire movie. Yeah, like, it's disgusting. I will say it's goddamn good. (laughs) (laughs) Like the movie is good, right? Yeah. But you can't justify this character's actions. Like you can't him going to Corey, whoever she was to him, right? And making her spend her mom's credit card and like ruin that relationship and all this stuff. Because like, yeah, you'll get it back. You'll get it back. It's fine. Like you'll get it back. Don't worry about it. Like all this stuff like just like or I don't know. Like it's just so hard to watch and 
come out the other side believing that Connie's a good person. But I love that the movie is, uh, I just think the character is so interesting. I think the fact that he justifies it and he so strongly believes what he's doing is right and makes his brother believe that too. That that final scene where he's actually like in that like group class at the end, Nick, yeah, right, and and he's like l- realizing for himself for the first time that Connie was a negative influence. I mean, remarkable. Yeah. That's the first. Yeah. So they're playing the the cross the room or whatever, and yeah. he doesn't cross the room for any of the other prompts. But when she's like, "If you feel like you've been let down by a family member or something," and he immediately crosses mm-hmm. the room, no hesitation. Yeah. And. I, and so the thing is, too, is you can potentially interpret that as him feeling let down by his grandmother for sending him to this class. But yeah, I really, really do think that it's Nick. I agree. Or not Nick. Like, Connie. Definitely. Or yeah, yeah. Connie. Connie. He's Nick. Yeah. But like, I and also because I think they mentioned like there was another question that pretty much sounded like it would have been Nick who made him cross the room. Yeah. That, well, that, uh, when or, the, uh... Sorry, Connie. Yeah. The psychiatrist like at the is end. like, uh, you and Nick both are right where you belong, and Nick did the right thing. Yeah, like, there's a lot there that makes me think that Nick realizes at the end. Like, it's a happy ending for Nick. You, you know, know what, what I saying? think? He, Connie is You know what I actually think happened? And this is, like, my own interpretation here. So, Connie's in prison. Or, not Connie. Nick is in prison at that point. Mm-hmm. He's awaiting trial. They don't post bail. Connie gets arrested. I think that last shot is him sort of coming to terms that the only way he can get his brother out is to, like, confess and say that he had nothing to do with it, that he, like, coerced him into it or something. You know what I mean? I, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to interpret. Are you talking about that scene where, like, they just have the camera focus on Nick and yes. then the bars kind of fade away? Or, or on yeah. Connie. And it, like, zooms in. and on he, Connie, like, sorry. He looks, Nick. like, pissed. Because at the end, yeah. the, the psychiatrist is like, you know, Connie made the right choice. He, you guys are both where you belong. I think what that is is like Connie, once he was arrested, was like, yeah, my brother had nothing to do with it. It was me. And so he, they take him to prison and, and Nick gets out. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, uh, this, this kind of goes against what I was saying before about him being a piece of shit. But ultimately, I think this is – I'm going to put it as, as fancily as possible. This is an exploration of human folly. Connie – <laughs> at the start, if he had done this at the start of the movie, he could have avoided the entire different, like the entire bad situation, bad scenarios that went through. If he had just turned himself in and said, "Hey, Nick, Nick had nothing to do with it. It was all me," he would have gotten yeah. the outcome that he wanted, which is getting his brother out of jail. And I think the end of the right. movie in the car, in the police car, is him coming to the realization that that's what he has to do to get Nick out. But it's not even that. It's not that he ever... I don't think that they put enough in the movie that makes me think he confronted that. Because I I think what he wanted was for both of them to not be in prison. So he was doing everything in his power to get his brother out and not get in prison. right? I agree. And it's only now at the point that he's going to prison can he do this action. So maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. right? Maybe regardless, the public defender got him out on that accusation that connie is the one who coerced them yeah and you know connie just went with it but regardless i think that scene for me is the decompression moment like it's just it's meant to linger because everything that you've seen so far has just been so crazy and it's like for you the audience member at least i thought to think about all the people whose lives were fucking ruined along the way like dash crystal Corey, ray like all these people who are just completely like 
That's a very like Ray's die. Ray's dead. I I don't know. It's just there's a lot there to unpack that you just. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Ray's death is directly because of Connie. I think it is. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. He was still planning to like sell the LSD and do all that shit. So he didn't get out of prison. He he got taken out by Connie. Ray, you know? like no, he Ray, was, ta- Ray was yeah. out. No, 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 no. Ray was out, and he fell out of a car. That's why he was in the right? hospital, and then got taken out by Connie. Yeah, he got taken like out of Connie- the hospital. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. So Connie, like, sure, whatever Ray's decisions are, he was going to live life after being arrested, go back to jail. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? I'm saying, I'm saying the point that I'm trying to make is based off of the story that Ray tells, I think he would have fallen back into a life of petty crime. I don't know if it would have led to his death, but I just, I don't know. Ultimately, we never get to see that. And sure, even if he was going to fall into a life of petty crime, it doesn't matter. Because his actions had already ended up with the consequences they had. So he was in a coma in the hospital or whatever, or like knocked out or unconscious or whatever. Right. In a hospital, arrested, you know? Like his life was set to go a certain direction that Connie pivoted it away from and then ultimately ended with Ray's death, you know? Connie set him on this path that ended in his death. I, I don't think, like, it's on a stretch to say that. I mean, sure, you could point to earlier people who may have led his life to that point. But still, like... Connie had an involvement in his death and an involvement in Dash's ruined like a, like life and apartment, and Corey's relationship with her mom and Crystal's being arrested, you know? Like these people all made decisions of their own to go with Connie or do the things that Connie suggested or whatever or I guess Dash didn't have a choice in anything. But either yeah, way, he just got it, fucked like, up. Yeah, but their lives were fucked up by Connie is what I'm trying to say. At least, I, I think that's how the movie's supposed to frame it. Yeah. And again, that shot at the end, like, to me, it wasn't the character, it wasn't a character moment so much as it was for the audience. It was a, like, the ride is over. I don't know. <laughs> Seatbelt signs are off. <laughs> like, so because, because the movie is very character driven, I like to yeah. believe that there was some sort of implication there, you know? Because mm-hmm. I don't get me wrong, I I think it's 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 a very good point that it is it is a moment of decompression for the viewer, but um, mm-hmm. I do like to think that it also had something to do with what Connie does, like after yeah, the fact. That that's that's also fair, yeah. And and for me, I think like that moment at the end was definitely one of my favorite scenes with Nick actually, like you know, participating in the group class over the credits. Like I, it was one of those movies. Where when it ended, I watched the entire credit sequence just yeah being yes, so like yes, floored yes, with yes. what just happened, and and it wasn't even like I was watching it to see what goes on in the room or what the characters. Nothing interesting happens. There's no after credit scene. Yeah, right. But I was just like sitting there staring it at my TV, gripping. like what the fuck. Yeah, and uh, but not even beside that. The moment that I want to talk about is Nick explicitly before they do the walking across the room thing the person running the class says something so i think insightful where it's like there is no one in this room who's going to tell you to walk across you can do so entirely of your free will and it's entirely on you when you want to or when you don't want to the decision is yours right yeah and i just feel like the first time he steps across that room is the literal first time he's gotten a say in what he does in his life ever 
And that was why I felt like it was like a happy ending. Because it just feels like Connie and his grandmother or whoever are just stringing him along. Yeah. Like having him have to do a certain thing because they think they know what's best for him. But it's like in that room is where he finally got to express make his, own, his own thoughts. Yeah, make his own decisions. Oh, it's just so good. That is a very, very interesting way to look at it. I yeah. genuinely didn't even I, record, re- register that he said that. So I just I, like, I don't know if it was meant to be that. But to me, it's just like, wow. Like if Connie disappeared, the life Nick could have had and all these other people's lives would just be so much better. Yeah, but then there's part of me that's also like Connie cared so much about him. Like, how is there merit in saying that this person shouldn't exist or have access to his brother? But then you just look at his track record and you can't justify it. You know? Yeah. Oh, man. Very, very good. Very, very good. And I I think that for me, there's also part of it that Reminded me of like Bojack. There's a a bit at the end of Bojack, like near near the end of the show. I'm not gonna spoil like specific bits of it, but a character says to another that like um there are certain people you have in your life that you're happy you're with them, but you or like you're happy you have them as like friends or as allies or as coworkers or whatever, but you know that they're a bad influence on you and you're happy they're gone afterwards because you're, you're happy with the person you are after having met them and they've clearly had an effect on you but like they weren't good for you and they make you give in to a certain life or a certain thing that you don't want to be giving into and it's like you're better off for having that been ended and that's just how i felt like the relationship between nick and connie it just like that i could summarize it you know like connie shaped nick but Nick cannot have him around anymore. That's a very good parallel to draw. It's like the toxic relationships you have in your life. Yeah. So tell me why you're going to give this movie like a seven. I'm not going to give it a seven. What, what makes you think I'm going to give it a seven? <laughs> I don't know. I just I have a feeling that you're going to you're going to no, pull out no, a low I, score and I'm going to be upset with no, you. No, I, I, I genuinely did like the movie. It's just such a gut wrenching experience and it makes me so uncomfortable to watch. Like, I don't yeah. think... This is not going to be an easy recommendation for me. That's for sure. Like, I'm not going to sit down with my friends or with my cousins and be like, we should watch Good Time, you know? <laughs> well, I, 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 I think it could be. I feel like I, I no would recommend No way I'm doing that, people. Leander. I don't know. I mean, it's not like, depending on the night, it's not like a birthday party watch. But like, if you're just <laughs> looking for a movie to put on, it's just such a good one. And it's like the characters are so interesting. Like, god damn, I love the moment where Ray is trying to connect with him. And he was, like, asking these genuine questions to him about, like, so how much time are you looking at? Like, all this, like, you know. Like, they both found themselves in this whack-ass situation, and Connie still refuses to engage with anyone who isn't his brother. Yeah. Or, or I guess that he deems... I don't know, it's just ugh, so good. I'm not going to rate it badly, Leander. Don't worry. Okay. I hope not. <laughs> we didn't even talk about any like the cinematography and stuff, but like the soundtrack bangs. The music and... is very, very stress-inducing. Yes. There is a lot of scenes where, you know, nothing is happening or it's like still dialogue, but the music in the background is going so hard that I'm like like I'm having heart palpitations right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
And I didn't know that it was by the Safty, or I didn't yeah. know who the Safty brothers were, to be honest. Uh, I didn't Uncut know Gems. their work beforehand. Yeah. So when I found out that they also did Uncut Gems, I was like, the entire movie, I'm thinking, like, this just feels like Uncut Gems, but first. It makes me think <laughs> that Uncut Gems copied this movie. And I find out it's by the same people, and I'm like, oh, they just like stressing the audience out. They yeah. They, like, betr- they want to make us feel bad. I got to respect yeah. that. But they also take actors who I have associations in my head of what they like, they're like, and then make them remarkable. <laughs> make me remember why they're famous in the first place. So, Like, they're good at their fucking jobs. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, kind of. Somewhat related. You hear me out. Give me one second. Sure. Um, there's a lot of actors that are, like, ex-WWE or, like, strongmen. Or whatever. They are typecasted, if you were. So, uh, you got, like, The Rock, Dave Bautista. But, like, I think the first version of this was Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think the difference between why he is viewed as a good actor now compared to, like, The Rock, for example, is because he sort of hitched his wagon or he, like, followed in the footsteps he essentially partnered up with another director, James Cameron. So he did the Terminator movies with him. And then he was also willing to experiment and do other movies. The dude is in, uh, what is it? Kindergarten? Kindergarten Cop? Yeah. Like, sure. that's such a random-ass movie to be in. I think the reason why we have these characters, or these characters, these actors that sort of typecast themselves is because they're not willing to break the mold and apply to other positions outside of their comfort zone. You know what I mean? Maybe that's it. But I also just think that they're bad actors. I don't think so. Adam Sandler isn't uh, bad and uncomfortable. Not Adam Sandler. No, that's what I'm saying. But he's not the WWE people you're talking about. Yeah, but Arnold isn't. I don't think Dave Bautista is a bad actor either. I do. (laughs) <laughs> and I also don't like the I rock. Think, I think you just don't like Drask. <laughs> Drax, maybe. Yeah. But I like I think that that character, he plays someone else. He plays like a a dude with glasses in some movie. Glass I don't onion? remember what Is it Glass Onion? Maybe it was Glass Onion. I think he does really well know. in Glass Onion. I don't, I don't know. I just can't get I I don't I don't get behind it. I just feel like a lot of these characters I don't get invested in or at least they're not interesting enough characters in a way that I'm seeing like another side of their acting and like I've never seen Kindergarten Cop nor have I watched many Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. But like when I saw him in I think it was Terminator 2 or not Terminator 2. Uh the new one? Ex- <laughs> no, The Expendables 3, I think. I, I think he's in that maybe. Uh, either way, okay. I, but I, I, whenever I see clips of it, it's not okay. The, but I'm saying like, like The Rock is a perfect example of, in my opinion, what not to do when you hit that level of fame, because he just makes the same movie over and over and over again. He's in a jungle sure. wearing beige clothes, but like <laughs> Dave Bautista was in Blade Runner, you know what I mean? And he was also in Dune, but he's also done some fun shit like Glass Onion. So what I'm trying to say is. What gives these characters, what gives, I keep saying characters, what gives these actors potential is the sort of being open to playing different roles, if you will. I don't know where I was going with this. I was trying to say, like, you know, 
Robert Pattinson obviously did not like being on Twilight, but he could have stuck with the teen movies if he wanted to. Like a lot of studios right. would have just kept casting him, but he wanted to break the mold with what he could do, and that's why he applied or he got like cast in this movie or whatever. And that's why he's Batman now, which is awesome. Like I guess. I, I I'm more of just saying that it's interesting to see these characters played by such famous people that you think of as one genre. Oh, then you're and a so bigot. I, 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 is what you're I, telling me. I'm not a bigot. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I think that if if you can make it to the degree that you're getting cast in multiple movies, it it it's usually because like you're a good actor. You know, it's not because of. I mean, or you just have people who will see the movies, so you get like paychecks behind it. Doesn't really matter, even if you're a bad actor. Hell like, yeah. I I think for the most part, it's interesting to see them have to stretch that muscle because the character they're playing is so nuanced. You know. And yeah. still do a good job with it. Like I thought the accent was good in this movie. And I thought like the character, like the erratic behavior, Connie, is just like so good. And like I don't know. It's just it You know, like there's easy roles and there's hard roles, and this seems like a hard role, and he still did it. He killed it. Yeah. Same with like the lighthouse, a hard role. Still killed it. Yeah, but you didn't like that movie. No, I didn't like the movie, but I can respect the acting. No, you can't respect anything if you don't like the movie. I guess you're right. That's that's a rule. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot that was a rule. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. all. All I'm saying is, I think it's it's cool. I, I I there are like free movies where it's like you put on the new Marvel movie. No one needs to act their ass off. There's not like crazy scenes. But why not? Like, why not, Leander? This is what frustrates me. This is. And I, this I'm, is, I'm not a Hollywood director. Fucking no, what am I gonna say? No, I would I'm love not if even, they did it's that. It's not even about. I, this <laughs> is a. This is a frustration you're I have. Complaining to the with, sky. That's what you're doing. I'm yelling at the sky. Exactly. It's a frustration I have with uh, that I have with a lot of like contemporary blockbusters, because I really think that the term blockbuster has been like washed away and watered down to mean like just a movie that makes a lot of money, which is fine. But it's like, bro, give me something good, bro. Like. I, I, I this is why I respect Avatar, even though I don't technically like technically I don't actually like the movie that much. I can respect it for trying to do something different and for like b- breaking the mold and having like good acting and direction and all that good stuff. Like I watched that recent Ant Man man, bro. I don't know why. <laughs> I, oh, I also watched The Flash, the biggest disappointment of my entire life. I was so angry. And it's not like that at that movie specifically because I don't even think it breaks the mold with comic book movies as they are now. It's just a standard run-of-the-movie comic book movie. And what frustrates me about it is it doesn't have to be. You can tell good stories and have good direction and good acting in these movies, but we don't because it's all a cash grab. And it makes me very angry. I think it's why A24 is being remarkably successful and it turned into like a brand in its own. Yeah. Um, just because like the amount of freedom they give to the creative people in the process lets those movies, even if they don't turn out excellent or like remarkable, yeah, turn out unique and like perspective changing. Because it's just like let the art stand for itself, you know. Like this is an A twenty four movie. Like all these like horror Damn movies right I love. A twenty four movie. Bo is afraid. Like they're they let you have these interesting characters because the people who are coming up with it are artists and not movie studio executives. <laughs> like i don't know i i get i get what you're saying um 
But, you know, unless the next Marvel movie is directed by an A24 studio, you're not going to get these, like, really interesting moments. I know, but why? I mean, you'll get good, dense movies, but, like, I... I don't know, man. Because I, one sells better. I feel like even the act, even the actor thing we were talking about earlier, right? Like if there's a bad actor who you don't like, you were just saying you didn't like one of the actors in a movie we were watching recently. I remember who it was. It was Blake Lively, I think. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if she gets butts and seats, if she gets like tickets sold, then it doesn't matter what you think. Okay, because so, the movie execs will put her in the role anyway. I guess, and then you'll have I a think... bad time and be upset. Okay, well, uh, here's the other argument. Like, like unique and good movies still make a fuck ton of money. Like, Across the Spider-Verse made, like, whatever the amount that it was. Puts in Boots did phenomenal. Like, even that, like, uh, Everything Ever All at Once did amazing. Even The Whale, the movie about, like, the the obese guy did pretty well in the box office. Like, th- this, right. that's what frustrates me is because there's this idea that you have to play it safe to make money in movies when you don't like make something good who's stopping you nothing is stopping you it's just this notion that (laughs) a movie can't be profitable until unless it's about the same thing every single time it frustrates me okay well everything everything all at once and the whale are both a24 and across the spider-verse was a sequel to its already successful precursor so all those had established fan bases puss in boots i think one could argue that the reason Puss in Boots looked and felt the way it did was because animation studios got a little more creative freedom after the success of Into the Spider-Verse. That's totally fair. Like, I agree with what you're saying, that, like, you can let artists express themselves and put the story on screen in interesting ways, but the thing is that people will be conservative about their money when it's their money on the line, and so they'll just do whatever is the safest and then make these shitty movies. And it's, like, not all of them, but, you know, I, I... I, I don't think I need every movie to have the look and feel of A24 movies because it's like there's a there's a time and a place for a boring action movie or like a standard action comedy or something like that. Okay, well, like, what I about, like that what Transformers just came out. I'm using like very like recent examples. Bullet Train Bullet Train's did, great. did pretty well. And I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure it's not A24. But I don't think so. I don't know just, who made that. It's just a movie that was pretty good and i gotta respect that and it was like directed what makes it good was that it was directed by i think it was a stunt man wasn't it the guy that did john wick so oh, i don't know i would have been okay watching bullet train three times as opposed to watching flash once in theaters i feel like <laughs> my mo- my money and i don't think I, I i personally think i'm a very regular consumer i don't like behave in any specific ways you know so if I'm mm-hmm. having this grievance, then I'm sure a lot of people are also having it too. You know what I mean? It's also why the Flash is doing shit so far. You know? Well, that and the Teletubby CGI or whatever the situation is. Yeah, that doesn't is. help either. But that's also like the executives trying to push the movie through before it's finished. So I think that for me, the reason the movie doesn't... Like, it's not that... Okay. I What I'm trying to say is that there's room for both. Like, I don't think I need every superhero movie to feel like an A24 movie. It's just that I... Okay, what I'm going to say is that the stories that you're invested in and want to hear more from, right? If they start getting disappointing, I don't know. Like, it's it sucks, but, you know, whatever. I feel like the more independent or unique or one-off movies are where you could be more experimental and have more, like, 
variety. I think that's why like independent films or smaller films or like all these A24 movies absolutely kill it because there's no expectation that they make a franchise that continues paying off dividends. And thank God for, for that, all these bro. Few- right. And so you can make this one-off story that's like phenomenal or like, you know, try something new in a direction that you haven't seen before. But for for me, it's that even if a movie's bad, what's the harm in it? What's the harm in it existing? Like it, Transformers, right? Okay. Like it, it's on an excellent franchise, but like I don't feel like Maybe there'd be an amazing Transformers movie if they went like the Across the Spider-Verse direction or just had like a really interesting story they were trying to tell with it, right? But there's an audience for just turning your brain off and watching big creatures fight one another. Okay, okay, okay. And transform into cars. Yes. That's also fine. Yes. Okay, fine. I There is a time and a place to turn off your brain. I get it. But like, Bullet Train is a fun action-adventure romp and it's also a lot better than the most recent like superhero movies i haven't even seen transformers and i don't even want to but even using bumblebee i thought that movie was (laughs) fine because it was different compared to the other movies that came before it but here's my argument and i think we've had this conversation before and it's not even my argument it's james cameron talking about it because i didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. the industry as it is in terms of distribution and stuff yeah when you have these movies that are very run-of-the-mill, cut-and-paste like movies made by the largest studios. They're able to fund the most screens at theaters. And I remember when uh, No Way Home came out, it was showing like six different times across six different screens at Landmark here. And this wasn't like a... Like, this wasn't a one-off. This was happening across like North America, as far as I know. Because these companies are able to distribute a lot more, when these movies are in theaters, they essentially monopolize all of the screens for showing these movies. So what happens is if your regular people that are just going to the movies for fun, they're not going to go to see everything everywhere all at once because there's no convenient time slot for them to go. They have to go to see No Way Home if they want to go to the theater and like have a, a fun time in the movies, you know? Like if they don't care about what movie they're going to see, yeah, exactly. They have this time booked. Yeah, oh yeah. It's like a a family or whatever. They're like, or a a group of friends. They're like, let's go to the movies. You know, let's see what's playing at like six after work. When that happens, less people will start seeing the unique movies, which means less money will go will be made by them. Which means that studios will be less likely to fund these movies. You know what I mean? So what happens is the market becomes more oversaturated with the run of the mill movies. And it just, yep. in my opinion, isn't great for everything. You know what I mean? I get that there yep. are one-offs that can happen. And I think Across the Spider-Verse or Into the Spider-Verse is a perfect example. But that's also funded by Sony. So it's like they have the revenue to put it wherever they want to. A lot of companies and a lot of other distribution uh, companies can't. And that's my that's the argument against it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but I'm also like I I get all the problems you're talking about, and that's totally fair. But you, it's not something that can be like changed by much of us. Why not, Leander? I want to see something good. Like, like we're we're kind okay. I guess maybe like we have a somewhat of a forum here. All I'm saying is that you could steer a public discussion around a movie being bad. Like right now, The Flash is doing awful, and everybody knows it because people are talking about that, right? Yeah. And so the more of the bad movies that come out and the more of the public discussion that's geared around how it could be better, 
the more these things are going to get addressed because people will stop funding them. But the only way to actually make that change is for the funding to stop and to fund the independent movies. But I know about myself, I'm not going to independent movie theaters and watching smaller films because there are smaller films that could be way more interesting. Like, I haven't seen Past Lives or any of the ones that will be at like film festivals or whatever or any international films, God forbid, right? Like, I'm not going to those frequently. So it, it is dependent on like the individual to ha- experience those films and then talk about them to get them what will eventually turn into more funding for the next versions of them. But the problem is that you're getting if the more funding you get what do you spend that funding on it's not more independent films but more budget for single independent films which is what movies like good time come from you know like the ability to get to a studio that'll fund your entire creative vision so you can put triple a actors and not like a new person who's never acted before or is only from theater stage productions like it's not truly independent it's just getting more influenced by the hollywood vibe as you fund it with more and more money so i feel like it's like wishing on a star to try and hope that like larger studios act like independent ones because like as you start getting the more money you just get influenced by more and more things i'm not even asking larger studios to act like independent uh independent studios but i think you should try harder no (laughs) i i guess my how do i put this My, my biggest like from a business perspective, I understand because it's yeah. ultimately taking a risk if you fund a movie that you can't guarantee people will go watch. But yeah. from my perspective, I also think that is potentially beneficial for the market in general, like movies in general, to fund these like one-off, riskier, so to speak, movies. You give the consumer variety, and if you give the consumer variety, they will feel more comfort when the latest blockbuster movie goes out, if that makes sense. Everybody keeps talking about superhero fatigue, right? You know, the the Marvel movies aren't bringing in as much money as they used to. And I I do think part of it is because they've sort of lost focus after Endgame, which is a completely separate discussion, but... I also think it's because, you know, if they're the only movies that you see in theaters, people are just going to go do something else. I agree. I, I think you're you're probably right. But what I'm saying is that it's no it's no one studio's job to do that. So everybody is always just going to copy the first people. Yeah, to do I guess. In these weird ways. Like, that's what I was saying with like everything everywhere all at once. This movie will be copied. This movie will be turned into a formula that other movies will take notes from. I mean, it kind like, of already has ma- to a point. I don't even know if it, like, I didn't have a good example. I don't think I've seen anything that reminded me of everything I've all at once. There's been a but, couple like, I of... just think the style and look of the movie that will be copied. Yes. The same way that Spider-Verse was copied. Oh, okay. No, I, I can't think of any examples about that, but I, I feel like there's been a lot of media about the multiverse recently. And I don't know if it's just a coincidence. It could be. Like, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Actually, but, that's a yeah. very good... I don't know if I want to drag this conversation on anymore. <laughs> but what I was going <laughs> to say was... Um, I, I also think that you run the risk of whenever these movies are, are copied, um, that studios will copy... Uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but the thing that didn't make the movies special in the first place. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, Bumblebee, it was a continuation of the Transformers series. 
um, people like Bumblebee because of the heartfelt, independent, you know, like there's just a small story being told. Yeah. Um, and then they made Transformers Rise of the Beasts with the scope and impact of that story is very different. They learn nothing, I got to say, <laughs> from Bumblebee. But, you know, it scratched a different itch. And they're just always hoping that that new itch makes more money than the last. And it's not about the art. That's why the only way to get like the true art or whatever will be always through independent stuff. And this doesn't just apply, by the way, for movies. This applies to like books and TV and video games as well. Like all of it, the largest and largest studios will always be influenced by markets and what people will pay for. So even if you could give them more variety, if you can guarantee with a spreadsheet that you'll make more money putting out another looter shooter or a fucking battle royale game, <laughs> God, that you know that's happening. Yeah. Like, it, unless people have conviction in the art they're making, like Fortnite will always turn into the battle royale game and not the building game it used to be. You know, That's it's called Fortnite. It was meant to be a tower defense type game. Yeah. And it, it'll never become that because like the voices internally couldn't make a good enough argument when they had so much money on the table, you know? Yeah. That's a very good point. I even even like bringing up video games is a perfect example because like indie games are so inventive and creative with the way that they like bend and break genres. And you just yeah. will never get that with a big like AAA game. Yeah, and that's why I'll play like indie games because I I have find them more accessible. Like I because I mean because of Steam and like there's there's ways to get them that are easier than watching independent films. Right. Um, and you know do that if somebody recommends me an independent film, like I'll watch it or I'll pay for it and find it somewhere, stream it somewhere, watch it on Netflix doesn't matter. But like the the main thing is that it it only comes like the discussions around them being so acclaimed is what inspires the common person watching a movie to be like oh yeah that sounded really interesting i wish i could see a movie like that and that'll affect how like i i think it, as long as the public discussion goes in one direction and that public discussion has people with wallets then studios will follow in that direction <laughs> you know what i mean i want to start my own company yeah, make, yeah, yeah. yeah make only videos that no one will watch. I want to be in the. Is it in the red? Is it's bad? In the red, yeah, that is the bad. I want to be in the red at all times. If I'm not in the red, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I I think I love the idea of a twenty four because of that. I think the amount of creative freedom they give people to make weird films that they're not gonna be normal. They're gonna have like a certain look to them or a certain style to them or content. Style will be difficult. Yeah, I think they're not even like stylistic in the same way. They're just like, you don't get the feeling you're watching a normal film whenever you're watching one. You don't know what the story has in, in store for you. And I think that is such a unique feeling that especially now that A24 movies are winning Oscars and topping awards, like you're going to see more big studios pivot in that direction. Paramount and Fox Pictures and all these like whatever. God, I hope studios. so. Anyway, at least that's uh, that's uh, that's my breakdown of I guess the the Hollywood business right now. <laughs> I am fucking baseless though. It's not like I know anything for real. No, we know but a it's lot. Just, like, in my head, mean? what do people you mean? only care about the money? We know a lot about movies. Think about this. We've been doing this shit for three years now. If we don't know, nobody knows. I don't. I don't. You know, yeah, sure. Let's <laughs> go with that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go watch Good Time. It's a good movie, and I'm going to rate it uh, a solid 11 out of 12. I will also give it an 11 out of 12. Oh, that's so good. What, what's the item? We didn't give an item, though. Uh, we got to use what, Money Die. You could do the Money Die, or we could do uh, Bottles of Sprite. Let's do Bottles of Sprite. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that, that turned into the MacGuffin late in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> let's do that. Sprite Bottles. All right, 11 out of 12 Sprite Bottles for both of us. That's great. I love to hear that. 
Uh, we're running a little long, so why don't you give us the the you know next yeah, yeah, movie? Yeah. So that so I realized that we on this podcast have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to like classic and old timey movies. So fuck yeah, dude! Citizen Kane, it's finally happening. Nope. Y'all have waited. We you've are been waiting. It's our Citizen Doctor Kane Strange episode. Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Doctor Strange Love. Yeah, is this that movie that's black and white? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> is this that like old ass black and white movie it's we're a watching comedy. that it's a are you black fucking comedy with me from 1964 Listen, 1964 just because it doesn't have color in it later doesn't mean it's bad it's also regarded as one of the best comedies of all time and i i think we should switch up the tone a little bit compared yeah, to so is the hangover okay <laughs> like I, I don't all right all right i mean who knows I, maybe i'll love it i hate leander because he will think The Hangover is a good comedy movie, but the like Airplane is also regarded as one of the best comedy movies of all time. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I don't like The Hangover. I don't think those movies hold up, but yeah. it's not like the public discussion agrees with me. I think if you ask most people, they'll say The Hangover. Yeah, I love that movie. They haven't seen it in ages, but they loved it. You know? Interesting. Anyway, about it next not, time. not that, that, that that matters, but you know, I love graphics, and uh, this movie Just is not going to have the best graphics. Shut up and watch it! Oh my god, bro! <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll sit and watch your black and white movie, and you know, the the next one that I'll do is a uh, fucking Rear Window, or uh, no, you know, maybe maybe we'll take up a Psycho. We'll do Psycho, the original Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock, and maybe maybe what's that? Um, a train arriving at a station? How about that one? We can do that one next. I don't know why you're you're listing out <laughs> movies and they're all after 1940. Like, just say Nosferatu if you want to go all the way back. <laughs> I know. What do you mean? The train arriving at a station? It's like one of the first fucking motion pictures of this, like, at all. <laughs> it's just like a train arriving at, or what's that one with, like, uh, the one that was in Hugo? <laughs> do you remember that one? No. Oh, you gotta remember. The one where the bullet lands in the moon. And that's like all. These are all like eight. It doesn't matter. Uh, this is this joke is dead, long dead, been dead, undead at this point. Let's just wrap it up. Let's just move on. Where can they find us, Leander? Uh, they can find us at jumpcut.com or our Instagram at jumpcutfm or our Twitter at jumpcutfm. Uh, you can follow our editor at defaultbird and at our shop bluemoonpaper.com. Uh, check that out. She also has an Instagram, bluemoon.paper. Yeah, and Go a YouTube channel. Buy stickers. She just. Yeah, and she just had a shop update. She sells like bookmarks and washi tape, stickers, whole bunch of shit. So you can find it there. Buy her stuff. It's very cool. It is very cool. But I think that's all we got today. I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks for waiting three weeks for this one. I hope it was <laughs> worth it. Uh, and our next one, we'll be doing uh, Doctor Strange Love, the original Doctor Strange, the prequel to the Marvel hit series. He's going to love Strange it. I can't wait for Leander to give it an 11 out of 12 again. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it will happen. Who knows? Anyway. And for my next movie, keep in mind Citizen Kane in four <laughs> weeks. All righty. It's, it's been, been real. real.